0: Whoa, whoa, did you hear that? Wow, are you awake now? Are you sure? Amen. <laughs> I think you all worked hard today because you're kind of coming in here like you need a Holy Ghost shot in the arm, right? Amen, 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 hallelujah, praise God. Okay, I got a couple of announcements for you. there will be no men's meeting Saturday. So men don't show up, Um, and then also, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit Conference. So how many have how many of you have been to the Holy Spirit Conference in times past? Okay, well the Holy Spirit Conference this year used to be in January, February, and because of COVID they bumped it, so it's in April this year, April 13th through the 16th. It's Dr. Barclay's Holy Spirit Conference. It's in Vista, California down there by Oceanside and all that kind of cool stuff. So if you're interested in going, let us know. Of course, you pay your own way. You get your own motel, hotel. You pay for your own food and stuff like that. Starts on Tuesday night, the 13th, 7 o'clock at night. And then every morning, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, no, no, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 1030 in the morning, 7 o'clock at night. So, I mean, it's a really good, good, good time. Amen. So if you can go to that, go to that. Amen. Or if you can go to part of it, go to part of it. Also, I want to talk about um, Resurrection Day Sunday. I think you need to get here early and get your kids signed in early because we're going to have a big old line if you don't. So try to, uh, you know, have everything set out. Have all the little shoes and all the little dresses and all the little stuff set out the night before so you get up and, you know, (laughs) you get up and you just get it on them you know what i mean if they're having cereal get their bowls all lined up in a row and the spoons you'll be surprised how fast you can get out the door that way and there will be no sunday night service sunday okay that way you can spend the time with your family and pastor dave and katie will be back there on a much deserved vacation trip with their family so anyway praise the lord okay we need to stand up and say our confession for america don't we Oh yeah, come on, let's get her get her get her on up there. (laughs) Dylan's full of him and vinegar tonight, so you were the first one up, Dylan. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready for this? Say it like you mean it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, you can be seated. Guess what time it is? It's happy time. So if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And one of our handsome, perfect, trained, on-the-go ushers will make sure to give you one. Amen. They'll wait on you. That's what they're here for. Today's uh, verse I'm going to read to you is out of Hebrews chapter 7. I'm in New King James, verse 8. This is a tithing scripture, okay? Here, that means on earth, mortal men, that means flesh and blood people, receive tithes. But there, in heaven, he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So, do you remember when Jesus was watching in the in the temple? You know, and the, and the widow woman threw her la, her mite in. You know, Jesus is watching in heaven as well. Because tithing is tithing is something that you know he set up. So, it says that he there he's receiving them, but here on earth, the the ministry, the the pastors of the local churches and things are receiving your tithes on behalf of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that cool? I think that's pretty good. Well, let's say our financial faith confession, and then we'll turn this over to the praise team. Amen. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Okay, when you're done dropping off your tithes and your offerings, join us at your seats. Stand up and join us in praising the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus.
2: I can't stop singing about your love, I can't stop singing about your love, my heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love, for everything that you've done, my heart is over.
1: the kingdom of heaven pierce the dark within this light we're alive in your presence oh yes Lord and you have won our salvation at the cross one sacrifice so secure in your presence oh yes
2: Lord and I I can't stop about your love, I can't stop singing about your love, my heart is overcome, and I, I can't stop singing about your love, for everything that you've done, my heart is overcome.
1: the praise and all the glory on tonight lord thank you for making us your first love you're our first love and we praise you forever your love goes on and on i sing to you jesus yes you are my first love i praise you forever your love goes on and on. And we sing to you, Jesus, sing. You are my first love, yes, Lord. Sing
2: alleluia. You are my first love. Sing alleluia. And I, I can't stop singing my tongue, love can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. You are my first love. Sing our Hallelujah
3: You are my first love Thank you Jesus We love you Lord We love you Lord Thank you Lord And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart There is nothing like your love, and Jesus, there is nothing like your love. And I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near. There is nothing like your love And Jesus, there is nothing like your love And I can't get enough no, I can't get enough Jesus, I can't get enough. I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. And there is nothing like your love. And Jesus, there is nothing like your love. Be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart. And there is nothing like your love, and Jesus, there is nothing.
4: Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, I know that although Adam sold us out in the Garden of Eden and we become slaves to Satan and sin, that you sent Jesus. Jesus brought us back into the family of God by His death, his crucifixion, his substitution, for our punishment. and because of Jesus, Father, there's nothing like your love. We're no longer slaves to sin and to Satan, but we're servants to you of righteousness, of living right, and doing right, and Lord, it's not just something we try to do, you give us a greater one, the Holy Ghost is inside, he helps us, and Jesus is like you said, the Father in me, he doeth the works, Lord, we thank you, that you're on the inside of us, we're not who we used to be, we're changing more and more every day, to be all you want us to be, And we thank you for changing our lives tonight so we can do what we need to do to reach this world around us with your love. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give somebody an air high five. And one of these days soon, we'll be getting to do a high five for real, too. Amen. One of these days, we're going to have some dinners around here again. Amen. We're going to be doing some fun stuff around here again. It's fun what we're doing now, but, man, I'm looking forward to the good huggy days. And all the good things, man. I like interaction, don't you? Mr. Vegas, good to see you again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, tonight I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts 10, verse 38. And, you know, in thinking about the love of Jesus and the things we're singing about, for what I'm going to teach tonight, as a matter of fact, the title for your notes is You Can Do the Works of Jesus. You Can Do the Works of Jesus. And you remember last, last Sunday night, if you were here Sunday night, I talked about things that accompany salvation. That's from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 8. said there's things that accompany salvation. And that means that after we're born again, there's some things in our life that needs to be evident that we're walking with God and God's walking with us. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said he sends the comforter, the Holy Ghost, to us and the Holy Ghost through us will help us be witnesses for him to let the world know and prove to the world that Jesus Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And we can prove he rose from the dead by doing the things that he did because he told us we could. and That's what we're going to look at tonight. And I'm, I'm thinking about the goodness of God. We sing about the songs we sing and the things we do, and I keep thinking about something that Brother Hagen used to teach and talk about. Uh, how many are familiar with the old West, the ranches, things they had when it was dinner time? They had that triangle thing up there. They clink, 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 and all, and all the workers around the ranch would come running because it was dinner time. That was the bell to let them know it's, come, it's time to come and eat. Well Brother Hagin said he was back in those days. He said that healing is the dinner bell salvation. And what I mean by that's this, when somebody's sick or they have a loved one that's sick, and you take the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ to them, that makes them want to feed on more of God. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and I don't care how big, how bad they are, how much they act like they Hate you as a Christian, everything like that. You get their baby healed. There wasn't no Jesus. They're dead. Their mama lay there dying, and you take healing to mom, and mom comes off that deathbed. They're gonna say, "Wow, you say Jesus did that?" and yes, that's what I mean by that. Healing is the dinner bell of salvation. The greatest preaching, the greatest witness may not get through to them. But you take healing to them or somebody they love, and you've got their attention. And so we as Christians need to know how to take healing to the sick. Amen. We can take salvation to the lost, but a lot of times you have to get healing to them first. I came to the kingdom of God through healing. I knew somebody that was very, very, very sick, and the Lord got us to a Pentecostal church, and we got healing to her. She got healed. I gave my life to Jesus. Matter of fact, Robert was telling me a while ago, he's witnessed witness to a man he works with, and said, he said the biggest thing he's used yet that's got through to this man. He talked about the healing that his pastor received three years ago, for blood cancer and a heart attack. He said that really got that man's attention hearing that testimony. And so we, as believers, have to grow beyond the stage and just say, if I just get you to my church, my pastor pray for you and God will heal you. That's true. But how much better? For the Jesus in you where they are to take healing them on the job or at the family reunion or in the Walmart store or as you pay your bill at the at, at, the, uh, at the restaurant and get past social distance and all that kind of thing as you, as you go to give them a nice tip hold their hand and say can I pray for you have your least anointing them to them amen we are Jesus representatives here on the earth and I'll tell you what, the earth is ripe for harvest right now. And one of the best things, Mrs. Pastor, you know the tool belt she was wearing the other day, had all the little things example in it. One of the greatest things in our tool belt is these hands that are anointed. And these words connect up with the Holy Spirit that are anointed. And so Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. When you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. It says, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We have to realize in the spiritual realm, there's not just Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God and the angels of God. There's the devil and demons, and they're behind every bad thing that goes on in this world. It said, and all that were pressed to the devil, for God was with him. And so for the last few weeks, I've thought about the anointing uh, some and how as born-again believers, we all have the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had. And the same God that anointed Jesus is what anoints you. How many know there's one God? One Holy Spirit, one Holy Ghost. There's only one. And so in the New Testament church, if you're born again, The same spirit that Jesus got, you got. Amen. The same God that's with Jesus is with you. And then besides that, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. And then in Mark 16, it says that Jesus works with us, confirming his word with signs following. And so I remember back in 1981, I was at a a pastor's missionary conference down at John Olsteen's church in Houston, Texas. At T.L. Osborne, one of the greatest evangelists of the world at the time, missionaries, he'd just come up from overseas where he held uh, rallies over there where they'd have hundreds of thousands of people everywhere Come to those rallies. got lots of people healed. But he read that verse, and I like the way he said it. He said, if you're born again, spirit-filled believer, then you say how God anointed Dylan of Barstow with the Holy Ghost and with power. See, you can put your name in there. How God anointed Norma. How God anointed whatever your name is. You've got to see this as speaking to you personally. How God anointed Lawrence. Anointed Lawrence of Fort Irwin. The Holy Ghost with power who went about doing good at healing. Amen. And So you need to see yourself in that. And now I want you to look at John chapter 14, verse 12. And we're talking about how you can do the works of Jesus. John 14 Verse 12. How many believe the Bible is God talking to you? You take it personally. And I think about tithing. You know, we take that personally. We say when it says bring you all the tithe in the storehouse, then you say, wow, God's talking to me. Well, John chapter 14, 12, God, through the person of Jesus Christ, said this about you. It said this about me. John 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And I want to point something out about that. you got to get this. How many here, this is not a set-up question. I don't set people up to try to embarrass you. This is just an honest question. Do you believe on Jesus? If you do, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You believe on Jesus. Okay, then Jesus said... He or she that believeth on me, Jesus said, The works that I do, the works that I do, shall he or she do also. And then he said, Greater works even shall I do, because I go to the Father. And so I want that to sink in. We're gonna look at we're gonna look at one of the cases that Jesus had. And I I, I looked at people years ago when I first got saved. I, I don't know if that's how I was taught it, or <clears throat> that's just how I learned it, but I learned that when God assigns me to help people in life, I caught my case. Now, as a pastor, I've mean, <laughs> I got, I got a whole lot of, lot, lot of patience, a lot of people that are my case. But back in the days when Mrs. Pastor and I talked about a study, we used to go door-to-door. And God told us, we went to door-to-door witnessing before we were pastors, He told us, when you knock on the door, He said, say, is there any sick among you? And we had lots of things happen. And then sometimes in life, God would give us somebody that was a case that we had for a season. And somebody would say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? we say, yeah, that's our case. We're working on them now. And so Jesus had cases. He had assignments. And God gives some of you cases. He says, people, some of them, they're, they're a case where they're having a marriage disaster. Well, the anointing of God, the word of God, the love of God taught the right way can restore that marriage. we got some testimonies of that, don't we? It works. And so anyway, with this verse right here, if Jesus told us we could do the works he did, i call that things that accompany salvation, by the way. If he said we could do that, then we need to study how he did that. Does that make sense to you? If he said we could do what he did, let's see what he did and how he did it. So John 14:12. you need to learn that verse. And so the will of God is for all believers to do Acts 10.38. The will of God is for you to go about doing good. And he'll do all that are oppressed to the devil, for God's with you. You need to be open all the time, everywhere you go, recognizing it's not you, but it's the Jesus in you. Now go to Luke chapter 13. And we're going to look at Luke verse 10 through 17. And this is a, this is a really good to me detailed set of instructions from a case that Jesus had. And I know that I've, I've had many cases like this in my own life over the years, and uh, you probably have too. And, you know, I, just, I, I know this. I know that when Jesus gives me a particular sermon to preach or to teach, that there's people hearing it that are going to have the opportunity in the very near future to use it. You know, one thing there's not any shortage of in the world today is sick people. <laughs> the shortage is, what Mrs. Patrick looked at from Matthew chapter 9, uh, that there's, there's plenty of work out there in the fields, but the laborers are few. Said the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. How many here made that confession with her Sunday about God use me? Hey, Amen. We all said that. And you know, I, I, I like what she said. She made it so plain. The only thing that stops a believer from doing what Jesus wants to do is called fear. You're afraid. What if they say no? If they say no, say next, Lord, show me the next one. If the next one says no, say, Lord, show me the next one. I can't tell you how many people before I was a pastor that Jesus used me to bring off a deathbed. How many miraculous healings took place of just people in my everyday life if I'd visit them in the hospital or I'd run into them, just meeting them somewhere. Or somebody would ask me, they'd say, hey, uh, we heard that God used you. Will you come over here and pray for my mom? Will you come over here and pray for my uncle? Will you pray for my cousin? Hey, I've got a sick neighbor. You think you stop by and see him? And all those opportunities like that God gave me, I stepped through the door. And most of the time, the people received they received from Jesus, too, what they needed. Amen? So you remember, it says how Jesus went about doing good. Went about means he didn't just stay home praying. He went about. Amen. <laughs> hey, and so Luke chapter 13, verse 10. And what I want to do, I, I think I'll read through this real quick. I think we got time for that. Then I'll come back and I'll dissect and show you, show you how he did what he did. <clears throat> says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bowed together, I could no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And I'm going to keep on reading through this. I, I want to point out to you, when we today, as Holy Ghost-filled preachers, we're up here ministering, all of a sudden I say, Doug, come up here a minute. Don't, don't do it. But I say, Doug, come up here. That's because the Holy Ghost in me showed me something he wants to do for Doug. Jesus saw this woman in the crowd. He says he called her up. And so don't think it's strange. You know, I know there's a lot of churches that don't believe in that kind of thing and things like that. But if I'm going to do the works of Jesus, when I'm preaching, and Jesus shows me Dylan sitting there, and in my heart I know, call Dylan up, I'm going to do something for him. I'm going to say, Dylan, come up here. And then I'm going to be able to do what Jesus said. I've shown you how Jesus operated, what Jesus did. He called people out. And so in a Holy Ghost-filled church, we need to call people out. And then sometimes on your job, God may have you give you a word for somebody on your job, or you may be at your family union and have lots of people there, have casual acquaintances in your family that you haven't seen for years, have other people. And then all of a sudden on the inside of you, you just know, I got to talk to him. I got to talk to him. You start getting nervous, and that fear comes. Well, they, they're going to say no. They're going to say no. They're going to tell you, get away. It's none of your business. But when the Holy Ghost anointing is on you, it's going to get on them too. And it may be somebody in your family that you've had problems with for years, but sometimes you need to call them up. Amen. If you're going to do the work. How many want to do the works of Jesus besides me? Amen. How many, and I I want to say this in a right way, how many are tired of all the sick people in your family around you that you know that you know and you want to get it to them? Well, listen tonight, and then just believe what Jesus said, that what he did, you do also. There's things that he wants you to do. It's the will of God. When you see the Bible says something, it's the will of God. He said, the works that I do, if you believe in me, you'll do them too. And so you don't have to pray, Lord, is it your will to heal him? Jesus, what about doing good healing all the oppressed of the devil? So that takes care of the will part. It's his will to heal him. But there's ways and things that he has to do to open their eyes to see that he wants to heal them. And so it says, uh, He called her up said her Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. How long was she been over? 18 years. That's like arthritis of the spine or whatever it was. It was bad for 18 years. And so anyway, Religious people got all stirred up in verse 14. They got all mad about it. Religious people still get mad about people like us that tell people Jesus wants them healed. People still get mad when we say God is going to do this for you and they say things like, well, you're giving them false hope. You're doing this, you're doing that. Well, well, mister, you're giving them no hope. At least we're giving them hope. But the thing is, we're giving them more than hope. We're obeying the Bible. We're getting him healed. So these religious people got mad and unloved on Jesus. And then Jesus said, verse 15, he answered, said, You hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his, axe, his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed to this bond on the Sabbath day? And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, but just... There's so much in that verse right there, you've got to get this. Jesus was operating and ministering under the Abrahamic covenant. Under that covenant, there was blessings, there was curses, but that covenant's for the Jewish people. And so Jesus said, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, and healing belongs to her. Well, we as New Testament Christians now, we're in the New Testament, and Hebrews 8, 6 is a verse you might want to write down. Hebrews 8, 6 says, we've got a better covenant than the old covenant. We've got better promises, and so I said that to say this: the more you know your covenant, the more competent you pray for people. Yes. Those religious people got mad, and Jesus said, "This woman's a daughter of Abraham. Satan's oppressing her, and she ought to be healed because she's under the covenant. She's a Jew." Well, today every human being has a right to be healed because of what Jesus did. Amen. And I'll I, I tell you something that you may not realize. It's so easy to get healing to a sinner. I don't let my experience, not by the Word of God. Jesus wants people healed so they can serve Him. And I'll tell you what, you pray for somebody that knows nothing about God, the power of God flows. That is just... <laughs> That is it's like 210, three-phase electricity. It goes into them, and God gets their attention, and then you tell them Jesus did that. Amen. And so that's part of the new covenant. Healing belongs to us. And so then it says, and when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And so I want you to notice this. You know, a lot of people say sometimes like, well, I'm suffering for the glory of God. Nobody rejoices and praise God because, because you're hurting. You get healed, they rejoice. You get healed, they give glory to God. You know, I, I think, I think about what I went through, what Robert was talking about. When I went through the things I went through, nobody was praising God because I was hurting and going through those things. But I'll tell you what, they sure jumped and shouted when I got all my clean bills of health. That's when, that's when they rejoice. And so we have to understand that healing is the will of God. Jesus is in heaven, we're on earth. The Bible says that we're the body of Christ that he's the head of the body. And so the head gives directions and tells the body what to do. The head said, preach the gospel to every creature. The head said, cast out devils. The head said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The head's in heaven, the body's on earth. We've got the hands. We've got the feet. The Holy Ghost is not in heaven now. Jesus the Father, are. it says Jesus sent the Holy Ghost to earth. The Holy Ghost is in us. We're anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. We've got what it takes to do it. And you just need to say, Jesus, give me the boldness to step out tomorrow. This person on my job, I've been wanting to talk to him, I've been wanting to talk to him. And just say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. Fear. God, give me the spirit of fear. Get off me in Jesus' name. I'm taking healing because Jesus said. The works that he did, what I do also, I'm taking healing to these people today. Amen. 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 And so I want to go back and look over this now. And I want to study this real case that Jesus had. And so verse 10, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And so I want you to notice that the first thing Jesus always did was to share the Word of God, and there's a purpose for that. To create an atmosphere of faith. And every hospital call I've ever made, especially, I, I used to do a lot of hospital calls when I was single before I married Mrs. Pastor, I had a family and stuff, but I used to, man, every time I'd hear the word sick, I'd say, where are they at? And I'd do all the hospitals, how to get in, how to get out quick, and do what I did. And I carried a little Bible in my pocket. And the first thing I always did... When I walked into the hospital room... Whether it was a Christian... Whether it was a lost person... I would talk to them. I'd open up my Bible. So let me share some things from the Word of God with you. How does faith cometh? Hearing. Hearing what? And so... Unless somebody is so far gone... That you can't physically talk with them... Where they're conscious to hear you. The Spirit will heal you anyway. But unless they're so far gone... You need to open up the Bible, share some verses, and then if they're able to see, hold it up their face there and say, Can you read that? what that says? And a lot of times what I would take it to is Mark chapter 16. I'd say, See what it says right here? It says, Believers lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And I'd let them see that with their own eyes, and I created faith in their heart for the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? It says, Jesus was in the synagogue teaching. He was teaching from the Old Testament the goodness of God for healing, deliverance, for victory. And so once I get a person to see that, they had a basis for their faith. And so I'd say this to them. I'd say, I'm a believer and you're sick. And I'd say, do you see that? Yeah, I'm sick and you're a believer. I'd say, okay, now this is my hands. And I'd say, do you mind if I put my hand on you? I'd lay my hand on them, and if it was a spot I could touch that was okay, like if it was a head or an arm or belly or something I could touch, I'd say, let me lay my hand on you. And I would say, now Jesus is going to do what he said he would do. Jesus said, if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's called the works of Jesus. That's the works of Jesus. I'd lay my hand on the person, and I would pray and I'd say I'd have to say almost 100% of the time, something instantly happened, or at least they felt the anointing. And the ones that didn't reject it, they ended up receiving their healing, no matter what the, what the sickness was or what it was. And, you know, I think, I think about people that aren't used to hearing teaching like this. All I'm doing is teaching the Bible. I'm teaching what Jesus said. Jesus said, if we believe on him, what he did, we do. Amen. Is that sinking in? Are you getting this? Okay, now as I look at this story right here, this true story, this case that Jesus had, I want you to take off your baby Christian glasses and look through the mature Christian glasses. Don't look at yourself as a woman that's sick. Look at yourself as a believer. That's bringing healing to the sick lady. See, that's one thing that I think pastors Sometimes maybe because they don't know better or they haven't been taught themselves. They keep people at a babyhood stage, always telling them they have to come to the pastor for prayer. Instead of teaching the people, they've got the same spirit the pastor does. They've got the same Bible. They've got the same power God and the pastor does. And they can take it to somebody else. You see what I'm saying? And so, so many times, because we've got losing mentality, we always see ourselves, Oh, I'm the woman with the issue of blood. Why can't you be the man or the woman with the anointing in your clothes? And let, and let the woman with the issue of blood touch you. I'm no better preaching than you are shouting. You know, you're never gonna rise to the level of victorious Christian till you start seeing yourself as the victor over Satan and sin. When you see yourself as the victor instead of the victim, then you're gonna have a different mentality about praying for people and you're not gonna try to figure out, Well, what if nothing happens? Well, according to Jesus, something's going to happen. I'm going to stick with Jesus when he said, what I did, you can do. When he said you received power in Acts one eight, you received the Holy Ghost and power, you can do what I did. I'm going to stick with that. Amen. And so the first thing that Jesus always did was he got faith into their hearts by teaching. Then look at verse 11 and verse 12. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, she was bowed together. In other words, she was bent over in a frozen position, could no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And so this, this is where it comes in. If you're really going to do the works of Jesus, now listen, I don't want to lose you now. I want to make sure you're really tuned in right now. How would Jesus know, since she was just a woman out there in the congregation, how would he know this woman had a spirit of infirmity 18 years? Through a word of knowledge our discerning the spirits. That's something that gets the spirits we've talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so the woman, although her physical body was frozen in that position for 18 years, the woman didn't need healing. She delivers from a demon spirit called the spirit of infirmity. That's called the Holy Spirit in you showing you what to do, do you remember the verses if you've hear for the some of the lessons on taught on anointing in first John chapter two verse twenty first John chapter two verse twenty seven says you have an unction an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things and he said that anointing abides with us we have the anointing with us, and when we get a case from God, we don't need just to go in and just Say one size fits all. One size doesn't fit all. Sometimes people that need healing actually need a demon cast out first. But everybody that's sick doesn't have a demon. Sometimes they're sick because of natural disease. I remember one time that we had our door to door ministry up in, was up in Noblesville, Indiana. That was many years, probably 10 years before we pastored. We were up there going door to door. We 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 didn't have a lot of kids at the time. We had a lady watch our kids for us. We'd go door to door. So I'd get off work. We'd go door to door. We'd just go knocking on people's doors. We'd pray where to go. We'd go knocking on doors. We knocked on this door in this little old poor part of town. And uh, when we knocked on the door, this lady came to the door and answered the door. Some of you have heard this story. Some of you haven't. But this lady answered the door. And we said, hi, I'm Bernie. This is my wife Janice. We're Christians. Is there any sick in your house? Jesus wants to heal you if you're sick. And the woman had, had a stroke. And she was paralyzed on one side. She was blind to one eye. And she was, you know, back when you're young like that, somebody's 50 looks old. So I don't know, she looked old to me, but she's probably about 50. And so anyway, the woman told me that she was a church member at a church in town there. And that nobody come to see her or anything, et cetera, et cetera, and said, said, I've been praying God would send me somebody to pray for me. And so we said, well, we're here. And so anyway, she told us about the stroke, and I went to do what we're taught to do. I read Mark 16. I said, you're the sick. We're the believers. We're going to pray for you. And I went to touch her, and then on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost said, don't pray for her. It's a spirit of infirmity. That's the first time I've ever had one of those like that. And so immediately I do this story here from Luke 13. I'll wait till I get your attention back again. <laughs> I don't want to lose you at the most critical part. You, you know, you got to watch out for distractions. You know, so many times at a service, if, if somebody starts coughing, or a baby starts crying, or something happens, and you get distracted... That could be the very time that God was talking right to you. And then you go home and somebody says, well, wow, wasn't that awesome what he said? And you say, well, I didn't hear him say that. When did he say that? Well, that's when you was watching the coffer <laughs> or the baby so, or the cell phone. And so anyway, the Lord said, don't pray for her. It's a spirit of infirmity. And so because I've studied Jesus' teachings so much, I knew what to do. I just pointed my finger at her. I said, you spirit of infirmity, you looser, her, let her go, come out of her now in the name of Jesus. I didn't pray for healing, And when I said that, the woman started crying. And she said, I'm tingling all over. And the paralyzed side started working. And then her eye, her sight came back. The works that I do shall you do also greater. And so the thing is, I want you to get out of this. You need to ask the Holy Ghost... On every case you get, Lord, what's going on here? How do you want to minister? What do you want to do? And as you're walking with Jesus in everyday life, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you case by case what to do. And I've had other people that had strokes and things where it wasn't a demon. It's simply laying hands on them, released the naughty God, the power of God came into them. And what am I talking about tonight? I'm talking about you can do the works of Jesus. If you're going to do the works of Jesus, you got to follow Jesus and know how Jesus did what he did. Think about that. You got a crowd out here and then Jesus knows this woman's had that disease for 18 years. He saw her and he called her up and the first thing he says, a woman, you're loose from your infirmity. In other words, it said, devil, get out of here and go in Jesus name. And what I've learned about that spirit of infirmity, I've seen seen people, and because I wasn't allowed to be in on the case, I've seen people, they say, well, they're going to take the gallbladder out now. They say, that's what it is. Well, the other organs were having no problem. They cut the gallbladder out. And then a month later, find out that problem moved to another organ. Say, well, they say it's got to be this. They're going to cut this out. And they just keep on taking parts after parts after parts out because it was the spirit of infirmity traveling from the body. And so, it'd go from one part to the other part. But what they needed to do was get that oppressive spirit off of them till they got healed. It takes spirit-filled believers walking with Jesus know how to really help people. Could you understand what I'm saying? And you know, I just want to say this for each and every one of us: I want our church to do all that God wants us to do. And in our church, I can't song. Mrs. Pastor had that was saying the other day about this war we're in. We're in a real spiritual warfare. And we're not just ordinary people. You know, I think what the Lord told me years ago about the difference between a, between a, between an anointed preacher and a politician's. Politicians speak a lot of words with no anointing. Preachers speak a lot of words, but there's anointing. Our words that are anointed for the word of God brings life. You're a believer. There's a lot of people out there have the gift of gab and they say a lot of stuff, and they wear you down. Well, you're a believer. You've got anointed words. You've got the gospel comes out of your mouth. It's not the gift of gab. And when God uses you, there's anointing comes out. Amen? Amen. And so the point out of this is this, that you need to listen to Jesus in you how to help this person he wants to help. Amen. Amen. So anyway, and so then it says this. It says that... uh, he said, woman, you're illusory and fervient. Then he laid his hands on her. Well, I thought you just had to cast the devil out. Then he laid his hands on her. And means she made straight, glorified God. Well, get a hold of this. How many know there's anointing in the hands of a believer? Do you Do you all believe you got anointing in your hands? Yeah. Amen. Jesus didn't say, lay your feet on them. Yeah. He didn't say, lay your head on them. He said, put hands on them. He said, lay your hands on them, they shall recover. There's anointing in the hands of believer. So get a picture. This woman for 18 years. For 18 years. And Jesus said it was a demon spirit called a spirit of infirmity that had that lady like that. Well, after 18 years, her back hadn't straightened up. And all those parts around it, all the tendons, ligaments, and everything else, all those joints, everything had been frozen for 18 years. Well, he took care of the devil problem. Then she needed some Holy Ghost oil to lubricate those joints. Some lubrication. I thought about Dave working on the old tractors. I bet you Dave's got some old tractors sometimes where he got things fixed. I put some oil in there to get those things moving again, didn't you? Amen. Amen. Mechanics know that. And so it's the same thing with the human body. Although the problem wasn't an organic sickness. It was a demon spirit. Still, things hadn't worked for 18 years, so it says, he said, but well, you're loosed. That means the devil was gone. And then he said, he laid hands on her. He laid hands on her, says immediately she was made straight. Because then the anointing went in and caused everything to free up. Do you see how this works? I talk about us as believers. Jesus said the works that he did, we're supposed to do also. I just, I just praise God that I had a pastor 41 years ago taught me how to do this. And I've walked in for 41 years And because I'm not looking to me as the great one that gets people healed, I'm looking to me as the obedient one that obeys the Bible, what Jesus had to do, and Jesus used me to heal people. Amen? Amen. Nobody ever got healed because I was a preacher. Because people got healed through me a long time before I was a preacher, now they get healed through me when I pray for them because I'm a believer that believes the Bible, and then God used me as a preacher to preach to crowds, And you've got the same thing that Jesus had. I've got the same thing. Amen? And so anyway, this woman that was made straight and glorified God. And so, I get down to verse 16. I just want to repeat this again. And ought not this woman, being daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo these 18 years. Think about Acts 10.38 with that verse there. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about to do good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Not God. All that were oppressed of the devil. All that were oppressed of the devil. And Jesus said, Satan's the one that's had this woman like this for 18 years. Too many times, Christians, because they've been religiously brainwashed, instead New Testament taught, can't figure out. Was this something God's doing? Or is this the devil? If it's sickness and disease, it's the devil. Until you get that settled in your heart and in your thinking, you will not minister with confidence to the sick. Now, the person may have opened the door for the devil, but what's the blood of Jesus for? What's repentance for? So sometimes the first thing you gotta do when it's obvious they're the ones through seed time and harvest, they sold wrong things and got a wrong harvest. The sick harvest didn't come from God. Came from the devil. So sometimes the first thing you gotta do is say, well, have you asked the Lord to forgive you of that yet? Are you willing to walk away from that sin? Are you willing to make it right with God? Commit your heart to Jesus now and say you're going to follow Jesus and let him know it and meet it from your heart, not just a con job. And I'll tell you what, if you believe that forgiveness works for you, how many believe forgiveness works for you if you sin and you yes, ask that, that you get clean? Well, why wouldn't it work for who, in your opinion, would be the ugliest, meanest person in your life that did the most horrible things if you lead them to that same prayer? And when that happens, he makes them white as snow. Things wash away. And then and then you can pray for healing for them. And then, of course, sometimes in situations like that, it may be hard to get it to them because they may have got themselves too far out there. But the main thing is, that's how you operate this thing. You remember the woman that was caught in adultery? What did Jesus say? He said, woman, where's your accusers? She said, Lord, there are none. He said, I'm not going to accuse you either. He said, but go and sin no more. He told her what to do. And so we as Christians have to know, We've got an awesome tool belt. We've got the gospel. We've got healing. We've got deliverance. We've got hands we can pull out at any time and use these hands. And what we do, healing's gonna flow every time, every time, every time. And But just one more caution on that. Just because it flows every time, doesn't mean it's received by the one on the receiving end either. You know, but I know this. I know this from the word of God. Every time I pull these out and I touch the sick, healing flows. If they got a wall up or blockage that they can't receive it, it wasn't on God's end. It wasn't on my end. I did my part and then I just go away just praising God, thanking Him, the healing power of God's working in them and do my best to get them to believe what we did. Amen. And so we just close with this. The works that Jesus did, you can do also. And even greater work because he went to the Father and he sent the Holy Ghost to us. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's time to shout or something. <laughs> Mrs. Pastor, you're going to close this thing up, that confession.
0: I get to be the closer outer, eh? <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't you just love the word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I do.
4: Good job, Pa. We used to go door to door together.
0: I know it. I lot, know.
4: Lots of doors, lots of stories. Yeah. Amen. It yep. was fun.
0: You know what? No doors, no stories.
4: <laughs> amen. Knock on the doors. <laughs> amen.
0: Amen. I know I've got i I've got something to ask you. How many of you? I see I gotta figure out how I'm gonna word this. How many of you have had people healed being blind? How many blind people have you laid hands on? Right? you got to give God a chance to move. Amen? You don't move, he doesn't move. You know what I'm saying? It's up to us. Remember I showed you, you know, on Sunday morning I gave the illustration where he passed the baton to us. It's up to us. It's up to you and me. Amen. So we just got to get with the program. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's say our, go ahead and stand up and we'll say our Barstow Faith Confession. And once again, I want to tell you Barstow is ripe. Barstow is ripe for the picking. Man, everywhere you go, you talk about Christ to all who will listen. That's what I did today at the Walmart. Man, I'm talking to everybody about Jesus. Hallelujah. You just got to open your mouth and say it. You know what I mean? Okay, you ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. You're blessed. I will see you Sunday. Amen. And all those people in here with you. Amen.